Hey, expats and travelers, welcome to this week's episode sponsored by WorldPost.io, the virtual mailbox service powered by Anytime Mailbox. We'll get to the features and benefits a little later. If you're interested in becoming an expat, whether you're moving to Portugal or another overseas location, I highly recommend you get your finances in order before you move. Yes, it's actually really important that you do it before you go. I know when we first got started, we did not do it that way. But if we knew John McNertney at Green Ocean Global, we would have gone to him as he's someone that is Lisbon-based and he is experienced with expat financial challenges. So he's a go-to person that we recommend. Right, he can help you with long-term investments, financial systems, and international taxes. And he's actually helped us and producer Dan has used him to explore what it would be like to move abroad and see if it would fit his family's current financial situation. I think what's great about him is that he gives you personalized plans. He will look into your unique situation and he'll help you out. And this is honestly what's super necessary because we get tax questions and finance questions on the YouTube channel and literally no background from the person that's asking us the question. So now we've started to point people to John. Right, because everyone is different and everyone has their own unique situation. So you need an expert to help you out. All right, so visit greenoceanglobal.net for contact information and further assistance. Check out the show notes below. Hello, and welcome, my emerging expat. You're tuned in to Let's Move to Portugal. I'm producer Dan, and I have the distinct honor of bringing you YouTube travelers and our resident Portugal experts, expats everywhere's Josh and Kaylee. Each week, they'll inspire, they'll educate, and they'll accompany you on your journey to Portuguese residency. This week on Let's Move to Portugal, join us as we delve into Donovan's fascinating journey from D.C. to early retirement in Madeira. We'll explore his experiences with the local real estate market, cultural adjustments, and the unique lifestyle on this enchanted island. What is up, expats and travelers alike? Welcome back. This is season two, episode 11. We are on the precipice of Christmas. Kaylee, how you doing? <laughs> Again, I don't know why. I know it's coming and I still laugh. Uh, I'm doing well. Yeah, things are going all right. I mean, It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, oh, feel a lot like Christmas. Oh, we, got, we got the dad jokes. Josh has had dad jokes <laughs> since before he was a dad. I joke that uh, he married me because I laughed at his jokes, and so he's always got someone who laughs, right? Well, you, you definitely love the one, uh, what did one snowman say to the other? Are you going to do it or am I, like say the punchline or am I? Smells like carrots. <laughs> yeah, that is a funny one. Okay. Oh, what, so, what about that other snowman one? That, that? Uh, about the carrots, they were looking through carrots. It, well, yeah, you want to tell it? You tell it, because I might mess it up. <laughs> I might mess it up, too, because we just heard it. Um, there, are a couple, there are a couple snowmen yeah. uh, looking through a, a, a ba basket of carrots, yeah. right? Yeah. What were they doing? They were picking their nose. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so uh, we want to give you an update on what is happening before we jump into the, the bulk of this episode with... Donovan, who lives in Madeira, which pr it probably does not feel a whole lot like Christmas there. Well, I don't know. He actually talks about that. It feels a whole lot like Christmas because they go big. 
for oh, the holidays. They go, oh, they do. Well, they, they do. go big for New Year's. Yes, for sure. actually, and he does address that it's one of okay, the biggest. Okay, I haven't heard this uh, this one yet. Yeah, it's one of the like the biggest firework shows in the in the world. world. Yes, for, it yeah. Is. So, I, now I knew that. Yeah, I didn't but, know that. Before moving to Portugal, but I did know that. Right. So they actually, uh, they they do up the city with lights and everything. So while it might not feel in the sense of the temperature too yeah. much, yeah. I think you know, it's cool there. Yeah. Then, but the actual look. So yes. we, we do talk about that. So that, that should be interesting for, for our listeners as well. But anyway, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. So what we've been up to is there have been a lot of Christmas markets. Yeah, there are a lot of fun. And uh, mold wine or hot wine. Vino Kint is... Popular? Yes. Right? Yes. It's not very good, <laughs> but it's popular. But we also, one and of our Portuguese fun. friends jokes that there's some people who are super against it because it taints Sac- the wine. Yeah, sacrilegious. It taints the wine. <laughs> Which, Pure wine. I think it probably does, yeah, to probably be honest. Does. I'd rather have like a hot chocolate or a coffee or something. Um, With like a shot of something in it. No, just just that. It doesn't just have to that. be a shot of anything. The difference, I think, in the markets around Porto is they're small, right? Yeah. There's like there or Matzinhos, or they they have cute little markets, but they're small compared to like when you think of the German, German ones. Markets, I feel like those are quite yeah. big and sprawling, and you wind and you get a lot of stalls. Here, there's a lot of them, but they're like small little pockets spread around, spread around. Yeah, but yeah. it's still a lot of fun. Yeah. So. Personally, we're not going to be here for Christmas. Uh, at the end of the week, we are traveling to Italy, and we wanted to let you know that we are going to take a two-week break from podcasting, which I think is fine. I think that's pretty normal. Yeah, to, the holiday for time. people to have a break, holiday yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Producer Dan uh, needs a break as well <laughs> from uh, sifting so through. <laughs> Yeah, our, our audio files. Our ridiculousness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're going to take a two-week break, and then we're going to come back with our Italy trip. Right? Yes, at the beginning so, of January. Yeah, we're going to be podcasting over the course of our trip, but we're not going to be releasing those episodes until we finish. Right. The beginning of January is when they'll start coming out, and they'll those will run for about a month or, or so, maybe six weeks. Yeah. And now then to, we'll get back to the, into the interviews. Yeah. Now, to give you an idea of what that's all about uh, – Basically, last summer, end of summer last year, I shouldn't say last year, this this year, year, (laughs) uh, 2023, (laughs) um, we did a trip when Valencia was out of school, our daughter, when she was off school, we did a trip through Spain and we hit up like five, six cities. And what we decided to do and what you all told us was fun as well, uh, in retrospect, I guess, we started to break down some of the things that we noticed about the cities that we visited, making comparisons between those cities and maybe an equivalent that we could find in Portugal. And we want to do that again when we travel Italy because we know it is so important and fun to move to Europe and travel other parts of Europe. So you're going to move to Portugal, we hope, because you're listening to the Let's Move to Portugal (laughs) podcast, and you're going to be able to travel to other parts of uh, Europe and maybe relocate there. Who knows? Maybe one day you decide, okay, Portugal is fun. I'm going to go somewhere else. I mean, that's essentially what we did uh, across our life. Yes. We, <laughs> we started out in Madrid, Spain, and then we moved to Busan, South Korea, then El Hassa, Saudi Arabia, then Singapore, and then Porto, Portugal. Yes. 
So we'll do a, a compare. Uh, excuse me. So we will do a compare and contrast. <laughs> Thanks. Got tongue tied with the compare and contrast. Um, yes. So we will do that of some of the smaller. Yeah, I say you know smaller um, cities in Italy. So not like you know, Rome, Milan, Florence, some of those well known ones. But they're still quite large cities. So it will be interesting to see how they compare to Portuguese cities because their sizes are much bigger. Yeah, and we could do a breakdown on those cities because we visited them enough. I mean, in terms of like Rome and Milan. Oh yeah, we uh, could. The yeah. bigger ones. But this trip is. But just this trip a is is not. We do have a Rome city guide coming out on Expats Ever Explorers at some point in the near ish future. In 2024. <laughs> yes. Because we're also but, on break and posting on YouTube as well. Yeah. Holiday season. For we will have enjoy. one more. Uh, one more. Oh, we YouTube do. Thing, which yeah. if you're listening to this when it first comes out, then. You got a chance to jump on it. So Thursday. This Thursday. The, let me 20th? get the date. 20th, yeah. Is it the 20th? No, 21st. 21st? Right? I don't know. Pull yeah. up the calendar. <laughs> I just threw that out there. 20th. Yeah, no, 21st. 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 Yeah. <laughs> uh, what time? At 4 p.m. in Portugal. Okay. So check the time zones. Yes. 4 p.m. in Portugal. We are doing our end of the year review on Expats Everywhere YouTube channel. And we're going to be talking about just stuff that happened across the year and lots uh, happened in Portugal and, this and past kind of, year and kind of where we where we've settled not just we as Josh and Kaylee or expats everywhere but we as in the collective uh people that are living in um as expats and, and immigrants in Portugal mm -hmm. so join us ask questions ask questions let's talk about it right yep so that will be this Thursday, the 21st at 4 p.m. in Portugal. But if you go to our uh, our page, you should be able to find it. You can click the notification bell, too, so that it reminds you. Notify me. Yes. All right, then. So well, shall we chat about yeah, so, Donovan? Yeah. I So I was not in the room for this interview, uh, so I don't really know how it went. But Kaylee said that she loved it. Um, afterwards, we, we generally talk about, like, okay, how did it go? Like, what did you think? Um, and you loved it. Yes, yeah, it was quite time. interesting. So Donovan and his wife moved to Madeira. Uh, they're from the East Coast. The states had high-stress jobs. We're thinking, why are we so stressed? This is actually taking a toll on our bodies. So they do discuss that and um, some blood work and such they got done that showed that they're oh. too too young to have this stuff. So they decided to retire early. And eventually the plan was to move to mainland Portugal. But they thought, you know what? Like, if we're ever going to live on an island, here's the time to do it. And so COVID's going on. They're moving to this island. They had, of course, you know, visa you know, com complications, I guess you could say, but like stress with the visa, but you know, mm. don't we all? Uh, so, so they talk about that. They talk about finding a, a rental with pets uh, and then just life in Madeira and why they chose it, what they're doing. And uh, yeah, it's really good. Really, really interesting. So Awesome. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Yes. Well, without further ado. Let's go. Let's go. WorldPost.io is powered by Anytime Mailbox, which means you can get your mail anytime, anywhere, even on your smartphone. And they really have competitive pricing with their lowest package starting at $5 per month. Here's a cool feature they have. WorldPost can relay things from the U.S. to Europe. So that includes documents. <laughs> Amazon purchases. Amazon from the purchases. US. <laughs> and you can get it to Portugal. And they have a variety of packages. Some include secure shredding, free junk mail filters, and things like that. I bet you love that junk mail filter. Oh, lots of junk mail. I sign up for a lot of newsletters. <laughs>
She's not joking. So if you're interested in worldpost.io, you can visit the website or check the link in the show notes below. Okay, let's talk about Lusitana Dreams because what they're offering is really great. Yeah, it definitely is. And Dallas actually has grown Lusitano Dream since we first met him. So he's really getting his process dialed in. The thing that I like about it is it removes the barrier and, and choke point of the proof of accommodation. Because that's been one of the biggest things that the D7 and the D8 for the, like the long-term people have had problems with, right? Yeah, it's definitely something that is really hard to lock yourself into sight unseen. But here you can have a legitimate contract. You can rest assured that it's going to be a soft landing because you're coming into a furnished place in a good location, in a livable location, until you can kind of get your bearings and figure out where you really want to live. And the cool thing about it is that they can start your lease when you arrive. So you're not like burning a few months of, of cash essentially paying for an apartment or paying for a lease that you're not using. Yeah, that's one that's really hard to negotiate, trying to get a lease that starts when you want to arrive and not when you are actually applying. So the fact that they offer that as a service to where you're not, like you said, burning those months saves you a lot of money. Yep, Lusitano Dreams offers visa-friendly proof of accommodation. So that could be for the D7 visa or the D8 visa. And their properties include detached houses, apartments, room rentals as well in different locations like Lisbon, Cascais, Lule, and they're expanding too. So uh, soon to be Porto and quite possibly Silver Coast. Yeah, which is really exciting. So check out Lusitano Dreams for more information. We have a link in the show notes below. Donovan, thanks so much for joining us today. Let's chat about your journey because you and your wife live in Madeira, so a little different than the mainland Portugal people who live uh, who live here. Yeah, absolutely. We've uh, we decided if we were going to do the crazy thing and sell everything we own and move somewhere uh, that we haven't been, thanks COVID, uh, that we would do it to go to a uh, island instead of the mainland. Uh, we thought a lot about Porto, but at the end, it was just like, well, if we're going to go crazy, let's go all crazy, and uh, here we are. Okay, cool. So we'll chat a little bit about Madeira soon, but I want to hear the story. When did you leave the U.S.? Where were you in the U.S. and why did you leave? Sure. <laughs> yeah, good questions, right? Uh, a lot of people have asked us about that. So we uh, arrived in uh, Portugal in September of last year. Um, of course, the adventure to get here starts well before that. Um, we were uh, in the Washington, D.C. area, um, and we were probably living what you would call the American dream. Uh, two good jobs, big house, cars, living in the suburbs, all, all that good stuff. And um, as COVID came around, I mean, COVID changed for life for a lot of people. Um, for us, it really drove home how much stress and uh, just unhealthy living that uh, going to the office every day, commuting hours every day and um being in these super stressed environments had an impact on our health because being home a little bit reduced some of that. And we realized that it, it really was impacting our quality of lives. And as we discussed it more and more, we really honestly started to have doubts that we could work another, you know, 10 years and walk out of it like healthy, right. Mentally and physically and, and be able to enjoy uh, the time we had left. And so we made a decision that we would be willing to, you know, sacrifice perhaps the quality 
of, of that retirement uh, to, to lengthen it. Um, and, and so that's what kind of got us going. Okay. So you've retired early or you continued to work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we early. retired early. And you were able to do that financially. Did you have to meet with a financial advisor to figure that out? <laughs> I mean, that probably would have been a pretty smart thing to do. And anybody <laughs> listening to this, please do that. You should also not move to another country you've never been to before, which we also did. But um, yeah, I mean, of course, right? If you're going to do it right, you should do all those things. But I mean, we have a pretty good uh, hand on our finances and we've kind of been planning our finances for years. So it wasn't kind of an out of nowhere thing. We kind of have always lived on budgets and future planning. And, and so we feel pretty comfortable um, with the concepts of it. And and the reality is that, again, COVID, I mean, COVID made things weird and it jacked the real estate market crazy, right? Like we got a lot more money for our house than we would have when before COVID, right? It just, it was right in the spike where things just went crazy um, before the interest rates went up, before everything or the Ukraine war and, and all of that. So we just hit that sweet spot where people were just crazy bidding for places, basically sight unseen. And we lived in a, a neighborhood people wanted to be in uh, for a living where we lived. And it was, it was a good boost to, to our out-the-door finances. And then with interest rates going up, it's, it's kind of helped since then. Okay, so you were able to cash in. Now, you talk about moving to Portugal sight unseen. Why Portugal? Because there's so many other places yeah. you could have gone. Why Portugal? Right. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, we watched a bazillion YouTube videos because, hey, we're home. It's COVID, right? And we're yeah. dreaming about being not in our house. Uh, so we talked a lot about retirement for a long time before we even reached this early retirement. And we've um, always thought abroad was probably likely the answer for us. Um, we both have traveled a lot in our lives and, and enjoy it and enjoy being in other countries and cultures. Um, so as far as Portugal, it's like, honestly, you kind of start with the Google of like, what are the best places to retire internationally? And you just start down the list, right? I mean, from the US, you have Panama close by, you have Mexico that's really easy, you have Costa Rica that's close by. Um, we just bond this for Europe, made us more interested in European countries. And I mean, you know, let's be honest, right? The news cycle for the Portugal retirement hype was high there, there for a bit. And, uh, you know, stumbled across uh, you know, series like yours or, you know, watching your videos and, and doing all that. And that made it seem practical, like doable. And so then we spent a lot of time researching it, reading about it. Um, medical care was very important to us. And because um, that's obviously something you're giving up when, when you give up your job and especially in the United States, right? It's very different. And uh, Portugal ranks very high on that. Um, and so that was really important. And and of course, if we're all honest, you know, we like the idea of uh, potentially getting citizenship in Portugal, getting an EU passport, having access to the rest of Europe uh, much easier. Um, and then it just kind of went from there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. You take a look at what works best for you. Portugal has a lot of perks. It was really popular, especially last year. I mean, it still is, but then you have that, you know, Europe at your hand, you can get citizenship later on. So it makes sense. Great. Okay. So you, you say, okay, Portugal, but then why Madeira? Right. So, I mean, we always assumed uh, we'd end up in Porto, to be honest. That's the city that appeals to us the most. Uh, kind of that second, we talked for second largest city syndrome. We are fully on board with that. But but we also thought we know ourselves to a degree. And it's like, if we get to Porto and we 
settle in and we get friends and we get something and we have this whole city at our fingertips, we're just not going to leave, right? We're, we're going to always base there, at least for as long as we're probably in Portugal. And again, it's just like, we're doing this crazy thing, right? Like we did this really crazy thing. We, we sold everything we owned. We, we literally packed our lives into four suitcases and a cat carrier. And, and we just said to ourselves, like, we know the first couple of years are going to be weird, right? They're going to be good. They're going to be bad. They're going to be assimilating. There's going to be all the things that are going to happen, the ups and downs emotionally as you're like, oh, wow, we did it. Oh, crap. What did we do? Like, it's just all the, all, all the waves, right? And we just said to ourselves, like, don't we deserve to be on a tropical island? I don't know. Like, you're just never going to do that later, right? Once you get settled, like you, you guys buy a place in Porto, you do business, you're just not going to then get up and go to, to Madeira, right? So it's sort of a, just sort of a, like, if we're going to be crazy, let's be all the way crazy. And, and, you know, I don't think our long-term plans were to necessarily be here forever. Um, but it kind of took the pressure off too, because we didn't plan to be here forever. And so when we were ready to leave, it wouldn't be so traumatic. I think it wouldn't feel like a failure or anything like that because it wasn't our necessarily intended long-term goal. Yeah, that's a really smart approach to it. Uh, I think that's really good. So you decided on Madeira and what was the process like for you to get your visa and such? Was that fairly uh, easy? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> um, you know, the documentation itself is not that bad. It's just a lot of it and it's a little draconian, but it all, it all like is doable. But the, you know, I mean, look, VFS, right? Like VFS is just, just not fun to deal with and, and it's not good feedback. It's not good information. It's not a good experience at all. Right. Like, um, but, and, and not to even be whatever here, but I'll be honest, like the way we got through it was using your guys' classes and videos. Uh, I swear every time we got caught on something, we'd go through the, you know, after your class, I forget the platform, you can plug the platform, but, um, <laughs> we would go through and find that episode and we both have spent like an hour arguing is a strong word, but like, you know, like, what did they mean? What did they want? What do they want? And you would, you would have like, <laughs> it would literally either be in your video or in the notes below so many times. And a couple of times it wasn't, we sent you guys a message and I'm sure you got a zillion and you don't remember them all, but you actually got us through several roadblocks. So it's time consuming. It's frustrating. Uh, we got a note from VFS indicating that there might be a problem with with ours and we sent them some information and they were like if you don't we don't hear from you within literally 48 hours we're canceling your application and we're just like oh my god Gosh, right yeah. and so we sent them something we don't hear anything at all you know days later <laughs> right and we call them and like you call the help desk and the help desk is like well whatever they told you is right like they don't get you an update they don't actually yeah, so unhelpful <laughs> and then two days later we got our approval Right. Okay. <laughs> and so it's just like, what? Yeah. yeah. You have to power through. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. stressful. Yeah. You're, you're really so, listener, for those of you who are interested in uh, what Donovan's talking about with our courses, we have DIY courses for the D7, D8 visas, so either of those and then a living in Portugal. 
course as well that runs you through like once you actually move here, what are things that you need to know and where do you go to get things done? So those are the courses that Donovan's talking about and those will be in uh, the show notes. So you can check out those. Or of course, you can email me with questions the same way that you guys did because it is true. Like, you know, you we have videos in there. We've got text. We've got different notes. But sometimes, especially for your specific situation, there might be one thing that you need clarification on. So I'm happy to help uh, when you email and, and chat about that or or on a consultation um, as well, because sometimes, you know, I've even run through on consultations, like the application can be kind of daunting. Yeah. People are like, I don't know what yeah. box 26 means. So what does that mean? <laughs> and I'm, I'm happy to help because we've, yeah. we've been through it so much. And actually right now, um, since we are uh, having this out in December, we do have a code, uh, a discount for the month of December. So just use the code podcast to get $15 off. Yeah, highly recommended. The best directions we got. We Googled tons of things, tons of websites. They're they're all outdated. No one keeps them current. Um, it was really a lifesaver for us, and and that's no joke. Yeah, good. Well, happy to help. That's great. So okay, so we, you you finally power through with VFS. You get yeah, your visas, yeah. and then you head to Madeira. You land there. Uh, was it paradise uh, first few days? Was it? Oh gosh, what did we do? <laughs> Well, it probably was paradise the first few days. Unfortunately, we got COVID during our travels. So. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Though we blame Chicago, not Lisbon. I think that's that's where it maps back to. But um, yeah, so our first few days, our first couple of weeks here were uh, a little hard because uh, we're trying to do the, you know, we, um, like many people, could not find long-term housing from abroad it's just impossible to really do anymore i think from abroad which i mean i think even the application process understands that now because you send in 30 days of an airbnb and say you find a place when you get there and they accept it right so so everybody knows i think it's been talked about broadly you know porto lisbon even here it's it's impossible to find long-term housing before you land people snap them up immediately Mm -hmm. Uh, you go to viewings and if you even wait an hour to make up your mind like someone else has taken it um so we had 30 days to get our long-term housing together and 15 of it we spent with covid oh gosh so we're trying to get checked in with our bank. We're trying to get checked in with Seth. We're trying to do all the things you need to do. Go to the grocery store, learn how to buy groceries and, you know, everything. But we're just waylaid by COVID. So it kind of broke <laughs> the start of our trip in a not so wonderful way. Uh, but it obviously got better from there. Yeah, so. <laughs> I guess, right? You start at the very bottom. So it can only you can only go up, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so that leads me to a quick question. So you, when you went through VFS and you did your application, you just did 30 days at an Airbnb and they were okay with that. Yeah, I mean, well, yes and no, right? Because when I said the part about where they sent me a note about if you don't give us more information, we're going to cancel your thing. It was about the living arrangements. Okay. And uh, it was really weird because my wife and I, of course, two different applications. They don't see them as one. They process them very different. They process them differently. Though, of course, the information is identical, right? And I got the email that there was a problem and my wife didn't. Hmm. And so that was part of our communication, right? Is our, is her application and just like, what do we need to do? And, and we sent them the note that basically just said, we are not able to find long-term housing remotely. Um, we are committed to being there. We, you know, obviously have, we've proven we have the resources to be there. Um, and that, you know, we have this 30 days Airbnb rental and we never heard back from them again as to whether they 
thought it was okay or not. And so we were really freaking out. And and then we got the approval. So I guess they accepted it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. but we never got a formal word from them that we accept your response and tell you it's okay. Oh, yeah, that, that is stressful. So that's what's difficult because, you know, even the consulates work differently, the DC one compared to the San Francisco one, and they can choose to do things differently, whether that's like allowing that or saying it has to be six months or one year. And mm -hmm. it really just depends because a lot of the rules and things you have to submit aren't actually like in a list from Seth, for example, or I'm a, you know, with the switchover, but yeah. uh, people will be like, you have to do this, but maybe not necessarily. So while someone might say, well, you have to have a year lease and of course it's better and you should, you know, right. for you, like you couldn't, it was impossible. Yeah. You did as best as you could and, and it just wasn't happening. So you're like, I have this. And then, okay. You know, thankfully they were happy with, with that response that I, we will try to find something. Obviously you're going to try to find yeah. something, right? <laughs> when you get right. I'm, I mean, I guess we just got lucky that whoever did the review on our file was okay with it. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You talk about, you know, they, they reference you to the website and they're like, well, go check the requirement on this document, but the document doesn't really give a hard requirement. It doesn't yeah. actually say that you need a year. It doesn't actually say these things, or it didn't when we did it, it may now, but it didn't at the time. And so you're like, but it doesn't actually say, so we don't actually know what the requirement is. You right, know, it's all, right. it's and it's weird when you're getting application requirements to go to another country from gossip on the internet. <laughs> you know, like people talking, oh, well, we wrote this and it worked and we wrote that and it worked. And, and like, yeah. that's how we ended up doing it, was stealing language from people who have said we wrote this and it got accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you never really know because like you, uh, you know, it could have just been the person who processed your, your paperwork yeah. that day and they were, they were feeling happy and, and they're okay. Yeah. You know, I trust that that's <laughs> exactly. going to work, you know? And, so, and yeah. that was super scary. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. super, super scary because if it got turned down, then like, what are we doing? We've sold everything. Right. Yeah. Like, you know? yeah. So. Okay. But it all worked out and let's mm -hmm. chat about mm -hmm. Medata. So you came yeah, in, yeah, absolutely. you had pretty much 15 days or so, you know, to try to find a place after you got through yeah. COVID. So how did you find a place? I mean, Idealista, right, was was the main way, um, honestly, just every day, every morning, look at the new search results, check what's been listed recently using WhatsApp. If you don't have WhatsApp, download WhatsApp. You need it. You need it. You totally need it. It's the only way people people will not respond to emails. They won't answer phone calls. They won't return messages. But if you tag them on WhatsApp, they respond quickly. It's just how people do business. So, mm -hmm. uh, and then it was just gets as many viewings as we can. And, and then we actually ran into the the other thing that slowed us down, which was really surprising to me, uh, which was nobody who's doing long term rentals wants to allow pets, mm -hmm. um, which is interesting because. Portugal as a country, they love pets and animals. They are very friendly and open to dogs and cats and people. Everybody we've met either has pets or loves cats or loves dogs. Like they just really, as, as, a, as, a, as a country, seem to like animals, but none of them want them in their long-term rentals. <laughs> yeah. And so we found not only did we lose 15 days, um, but I, I'm not even joking when I say probably 90 something percent of the rentals when we contacted them were just like, we won't take pets. Mm. And well, we have a cat and he's here with us. And so it really, really caused us a lot of stress. And we ended up not getting a place until only like three or four days before we were supposed to be out of our Airbnb. And I actually should mention, because I said, I deleted that my wife actually found the place on uh, Facebook marketplace okay. is the, the one that we ended up getting and there was like a you know a madera marketplace group and, and things like that and she really just kind of posted like help anybody out there got anything you know and a real estate agent was watching the forum and responded hey i have a place 
you want to come check it out? And we were like, it was like 1130 at night when we got that response. And she was like, can you be there at eight in the morning? We were like, absolutely. And we just took it before we even walked out the door. We're like, now here, what do you need? Let's do this. Yeah. You know? Did you feel like you settled a little bit or were you really happy with it? We got actually kind of lucky, I think, because um, there was actually another place that we had put money down on, which would have been major settling. It was way overpriced. It was in an area we didn't like. It was really small. And we ended up getting a bigger place in a better area for less money. Um, so we, I think we got lucky. I think it worked out for us in the end. But man, it was so close to the edge. Right. It yeah. was so close. We were really, really nervous about it. Um, yeah. So that probably consumed, I mean, the first 15 days of landing, you, you've got COVID and then the next 15 days mm -hmm. you're consumed with this. So you weren't really right. able to enjoy the island and the move and the fact that you moved until you could get settled into your new Agreed. Place. Yeah. hundred percent. It was probably six, eight weeks we'd been here before. <laughs> and of course, because after we moved, uh, it was like two weeks later was our SEF appointment. Okay. So we were like, we just gotten our lease. We just got moved in. We have to get all the documents ready for the staff appointment, go buy a printer and, you know, spend all the time <laughs> doing that. Uh -huh. And there's a bunch of documentation that, you know, you want to get for that. Some of it you don't have because you have to get it locally. And, and so it was really, it was crazy. It was two months maybe before we could like, literally, I remember the day we were sitting out on the deck and we had a glass of wine and it was like, okay, it actually starts now. Yeah. We can relax now. Like now we can like see if we actually like this place. Let's find <laughs> yeah. out, you know? After all that. Uh, right. It took forever though. Okay. So, and your staff appointment was in Madeira. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because I know of some people who've had to travel. I, I actually knew someone yeah. who moved to continental Portugal and then they got their staff appointment in Madeira and they were like, well, obviously <laughs> they got it switched, but it's like, sometimes you yeah. get that and it's just like, that's crazy. Okay. So it was in Madeira. And then after you yeah. had that, uh, how long did it take? I mean, obviously this was, uh, last year, but how long did it take to get your actual residency card in the mail? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I'm going to be honest. It's a little hard to remember because it was a year ago, but it was only like three or four weeks. It wasn't Yeah, it wasn't bad. that long, right? It wasn't yeah. bad. And and we got a surprise on that too, because when we got our cards, we noticed that they were good for two years and that shocked us. And we actually thought maybe there was an error and we're like, oh crap, do we have to go back? Do we, did they put us on the wrong visa program? We didn't know. And it just so turned out that they had changed those requirements that you got two years, but they'd done it on like November 1st. And our appointment was like November 4th. And okay. so we, we got lucky again. We had no idea about that change. And so we panicked for a minute thinking <laughs> that we were on the wrong visa or something. But yeah. But then you went online and found that they, yeah. that it was a change and you're like, okay, okay, this is right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So okay. and then we're just like, oh, this is good. This is good <laughs> yeah. news. Okay. Good, good news. news. Great. Okay. So you're sitting on your deck having a glass of wine and you're like, okay, yeah. we can enjoy it now. So, so then what happened from there? Yeah. I mean, from there, we really started exploring the city, right? I mean, timing wise, it's interesting because this is like mid, late November, early December. And uh, I'm not sure how, how Porto is, but uh, here on, on Funchal, Madeira, they love Christmas. Like Christmas is the big holiday, the biggest holiday. And it's the entire month of December plus a little bit of January. So it was kind of nice because the, it's almost like when we were ready to explore the island, it cranked into Christmas. And like here in Madeira, they don't mess around. Like the downtown in Funchal is like a million and a half Christmas lights. Wow. Like every street does their own design and it's big festivals, big parties, like the whole month. And so that was kind of fun. It was kind yeah. of a nice introduction. And then, of course, is for those of you that don't know, 
Madeira has one of the most uh, world famous New Year's Eve fireworks. Like at one point it was a Guinness book of records, but it's actually like a huge, huge deal for them, a huge, huge deal for tourism. And it's like one of the, like, I think top five or so in the world considered. So then we rolled into that, which we could see from our deck. Very nice. Oh, um, nice. yeah. Yeah. So we basically did this like massive celebration. And so we're like, got this massive, like emotional high. Right. And then it's January. And it's kind of <laughs> cold and it's kind of dreary. And you're like, oh boy, <laughs> what now? Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting because I think people think of an island and they think it's warm and sunny all the time. So what is the temperature like in in winter? Yeah. I mean, it's warm during the day, mostly, you know, in kind of like high 60s or something like that. But it gets very chilly at night. And of course, as with many places, the Portuguese building isn't very insulated. It's all about airflow. That's how they heat and cool and, and things like that. So it got a little chillier than we were expecting in the nights. And I, I think maybe in the maybe in the low 50s, maybe some high 40s. And so we were like, do we actually have to buy a space heater living on a tropical island? You know, are we just wimps? Maybe. We're not just <laughs> wimps. But yeah. there's definitely some sweatpants involved that we weren't maybe quite expecting to use on uh, an island. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we got through that. And then, uh, and then spring rolls around again. And honestly, the weather's just amazing here. It's like mid-70s almost every day. I mean, wearing shorts through like December it's it's kind of insane how great it is <laughs> yeah oh so then you know you thought about you were just going to be in Madeira for a short term and yeah. you know and then move but is it drawing you in to where you could stay longer than you thought I mean as with everything there's pros and cons right and so you have to decide what's most important to you uh you will definitely leave some very strong positives if you leave here uh especially if uh being outdoors and hiking is your thing um, you know, some people, they retire and they just have one thing and they know what they want to do, right? In the U.S., tons of people play golf. And if you play golf, you retire in Florida and there's like 10,000 golf courses and you'll never play one twice and you'll have the happiest life you can imagine, right? That's Madeira for hiking uh, and just natural beauty, right? If you are someone who strives to be outdoors and outdoors, I mean like in nature, right? Uh, hiking and things like that, like most days of your life or most times when you do something fun, like you should A, move to Madeira and B, you should never leave okay. because it is amazing. It is amazing what's available here on that front. Um, it's it's like it would be your paradise, right? Um, for us, we're a little more city folks. Uh, we like We like to be in a city. We like um, lots of museums and we like to, you know, just kind of be able to walk around neighborhoods and see neighborhoods with different vibes and different feels. And, and for is a little small from, from that perspective and honestly a little touristy. Mm. Um, so I think overall we will probably opt into a little bit of winter, uh, to gain a little bit just more, right. It has everything you need, but maybe not as much as you want. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I think everyone will say, oh, an island is for everyone, but not necessarily, right? I mean, if you right. aren't interested in some of the things that a place has to offer, then it's not for everyone. And so if you like hiking in nature, then yeah, paradise there. But yeah. if you like you like city and those types of amenities or just the hustle and bustle and the feel and the less tourism, exactly. then then you know you can do it for a little bit, but it's not not the end game, I guess, right? Yeah, and in, and in Funchal, like the thing to remember is you're never not going to be a tourist because the whole island is built to cater tourism. Like okay. it really is. Everybody, almost everybody here works in a service industry and that service industry is all in support of the tourists. 
the amount of tourists they get every year, I'm not going to be able to tell you a number, but I mean, we'll see four or five cruise ships in the, the port in a day. And, you know, the whole kind of front of the city on the waterfront is just built for tourism. And so no matter how long you've been here, you will never not walk down by the water and have someone trying to hawk you something because they think you're off the boat because they think, you know, you're a tourist. And it just, yeah. and there's a feeling to that, that like either feels good to you or doesn't. And for us, like we want to assimilate, hmm. right? Like we want to eventually one day when we're better with the language and, and good things like that, but like we want to not stand out as much, right? We want to be in a place where, it's not so obvious that, that you don't belong. We want to belong, right? That's the goal. You go to another country, you, you should assimilate. You should try to become part of that country, not be a bubble, right? That's our feeling, at least. And um, I think it's going to be harder here. Um, and that's what makes it great in the ways of being a first place to come because everybody's ready to take care of you. Nobody expects you to know how to do anything right, say anything right, if you stumble and do something stupid, like they just think you're another tourist and they're so used to it. They just shrug their shoulders and they're so nice about it and so easygoing. It is amazing how easy it is to land here and get taken care of for, for starting. But eventually you kind of want to take the training wheels off. Right. And, and yeah. you kind of want to go somewhere like, you know, Porto, for instance, where it's just a, it's a functional city. Right. I mean, like there's a certain amount of tourism there, but that's not what drives them. And there are people just doing their thing. Right? They're going to work, they're doing their business, and, and like you're just somebody else on the street that they're walking past. It, and it's just weirdly, it sounds weird to say that's a better vibe than everybody being super friendly and wanting to help you out. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know that might sound weird, but it's kind of what we want, I think. Yeah. Well, that makes sense, though, because again, like like I was saying with like, you know, an island being paradise and you think everyone would just love it, but not necessarily like it sounds good for a soft landing. And for some people, they want to it to be soft the whole time. And that makes it easier because people are helpful and they just assume you don't speak Portuguese. So they'll start off in English or whatever that looks like. And some people want that and they're comfortable with that. But then others don't like you guys. You want Mm -hmm. something that you assimilate a bit more. You're learning the language and you fit in, uh, you know, fly under the radar a bit more because you live there. Right. It's a bit more of a livable feeling rather than feeling like you're always a tourist or a foreigner right yeah yeah and that being said i would highly recommend anybody who who's willing to move a couple of times not everybody likes moving but if you really just want a super soft landing in portugal and really like don't have to worry about getting any of the basics done the cefs and the the social security office and all the billion things you got to do like this is a great place for it like everybody's so nice and so helpful um, in every grocery store, every drugstore, everything you can imagine, everybody's ready to to engage with you in, in English and, and however you want. But like, you're just always going to be a tourist. Right. But even at the government um, offices, like Seth and everything, it was all like English was really good because yeah. in Porto, yeah, not was, so much. <laughs> so, I mean, well, there's kind of a trend, right? I mean, uh, you go into a building. Well, of course, first thing you do is take a number because you don't take a number. I don't know how it is. Yes, in Porto, everyone here, needs to know that. You take, take a number. number. <laughs> if, you, if you're listening to this, take a number. When you walk into a bank, a building, a butcher, no, anything, the post office, there's a number, yes. get it. You uh-huh. need to take the number. If you're not sure what to push, push the first one. It means general. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like you take a number, right? But like we get there. And so sometimes we get someone who wasn't great with English. It usually has to do with age, right? Anybody below 40-ish speaks great English. Anybody below, you know, 60, it's maybe like 50-50. And anything above that, it kind of kind of goes downhill. But like they would just be like, hold on a second. 
they go get the, you know, 30 year old who spoke perfect English. They just trade us over and, and it was perfect. And, and I always say how amazing that is. It, it sounds like something maybe you take for granted. Like, of course you speak English and, you know, so they get the English speaking person. But I, I say to those people, if you're from America, imagine going into the social security office, imagine not speaking English. Imagine being from Mexico or whatever country might have a strong immigrant population in the United States. And imagine the, the support or lack of and the, the lack of niceness you might get if you walked up to the counter and started speaking in Spanish and couldn't say a word of English. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not the same, right? Yeah. Like they are so pleasant about everything and they're apologizing to you. And you're like, no, 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 we're the stupid ones. Don't apologize to us. Yeah. Uh, but it's amazing how much support they'll give you here. Yeah. And I think that's just Portuguese in general. They're such a friendly people, friendly culture. You know, not everyone, of course, you can't, you know, but generally like they, uh, they uh, are very accommodating and nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Madeira, I mean, it's obviously part of Portugal, but has a little bit of its own thing going on. So it's got oh, yeah. its own food and drink and let's talk about that. That's some sure. fun stuff. What kind of foods do you eat there? What's typical there? So typical, I don't know if they have it on the mainland. There's a bread called bolo de queco, which is the island bread. That's everywhere, everywhere here. I don't know if, I actually don't know if that's a, that's a common thing or not. Um, they have a, a fish here called spada, which is really only regional here to the island, I think. I think it's the main place you can get it. And it's actually delicious and I don't even like fish. So for those of you who come here, get some, it's great. Tons of seafood, of course, cod is overwhelming, but I think that's pretty common. Uh, lots of sandwiches, pregos with, you know, thin meat, egg, ham, bacon, all that kind of stuff. You know, very simple boiled vegetables um, that are very good. Um, they name things a little different, though, because uh, we found our favorite coffee here. Uh, we went to the mainland and tried to order it, and they had no idea what we were talking <laughs> about. Uh, uh-huh. So some of the phrases and some of the naming of things is apparently island specific. Yeah. Uh, they have an island beer. Uh, the uh, Superbot competitor. I know, I know that makes sense. <laughs> no, it's okay. Right? Uh, called Corral. And if you just order a beer here, that's what you're getting. Uh-huh. Like you have to specifically order something else. They won't even ask you, right? They're just like, if you order a beer, Cerveja here, you are getting Corral, like uh-huh. 100%. And so uh, they're very proud of that. They have a drink called Brisa, which I don't know if is on the mainland, which is a passion fruit soda, uh, which is actually amazing. It's okay. actually amazing. Um, so they have a few like very modern things that they're very proud of. Yeah. What up, Poncha? That's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Poncha. Right? <laughs> yeah. How could I forget Poncha? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's everywhere and it varies significantly in quantity very on, on where you buy it, um, which again kind of goes to that tourism thing, right? Like if you really want some Poncha, don't, don't stop in any of those tourist places. Just go about three blocks up the street, find the, the smallest little bar you can find and, and order one and it's going to be way better. And and significantly cheaper, which which actually I want to pivot on that significantly cheaper for an instance, because this is something that shocked me. Um, I think we all understand that like tourist things are more expensive and, and nobody's really freaking out about that. But the degree to which things are more expensive here really surprises me. Um, downtown, the coffee I like costs like four or more dollars and it's 80 cents next to my house. You know, wow. I, I expect there to be a difference, but that's like four or five times. And, and I'm not used to the tourist markup being quite that high. Like usually you're like, oh, well, we're going to pay 50% extra or 
double and, and you know, whatever, but it's like four or five times more for, I mean, let's be honest, inferior quality, honestly. Right. Um, and that's, that's one of the things I think struggles with living here is because you have this beautiful waterfront, all these different sounds. And this is not even just true of Fanshawe. It's true of all the major cities. And like, you can't really use any of it because you feel it feels wrong to go to the tourist restaurant and pay. Yeah, like you're getting ripped off. Like you know, thirty something doing. dollars for something that should cost me eight, and it's going to taste better somewhere else. Yeah. And so you stop using the waterfront, and you're on an island, and you don't sit on the waterfront and eat and drink. And like, I don't love that. Don't love yeah, that part. That's tough. You know, we have the same thing here as well in Porto. Uh, along the water, along the river, uh, there are a lot of restaurants, and the mm-hmm. Food and drink is higher, much higher in price, and yeah. the quality is not as good. So yeah. it's it's a bit of a bummer because you can sit down and you can enjoy the the river, but exactly. you're going to be paying for it, right? And, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and that stinks. Um, so, yeah, so we have the same thing. I tell people, go and enjoy the river, um, but exactly. just maybe sit along and, and take a look at the river and don't actually eat there because – uh, yeah, because there are so many better places off the, the water area. So right. the I mean, if, yeah, if the quality was as good, you could talk yourself into it now and then and enjoy it. But when it's like worse food and like just, like I said, not even a little bit more, but a lot more. Yeah. And it just, just kind of takes some of the joy out of well, living on the water, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bummer. So you think like uh, advice would be to go in like three, just three or four blocks in away from yeah. the water and you get yeah. better restaurants, better food, better prices. Yeah, because Funchal is like, there's a there's an obvious old downtown, right? There's an obvious downtown where it's kind of flatter, it's a little bit plateaued, and all the tourist streets are there. And you, can, it, it's it's a very obvious, you start going up the hill, because we have, oh man, the hills here. They're, Porto, when we were in Porto, people laughing at hills, we're like, oh, you don't have hills. No, no, no. <laughs> yes. Thank you, everyone. Listen so. up, listen up. People will say Porto has hills, and it's like, of course, like in Madeira, but then Lisbon also has their hills too. So. Yeah. My wife and I were like, oh my God, no hills. This is amazing. <laughs> That's easy. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of was, to be honest. And so once you start going up the hill a little bit, tourists don't do that. And so you'll just start seeing, and that's where you go from seeing the big restaurant that seats like 50, 100 people to the more traditional coffee shop with like four tables or two tables or whatever. And as soon as you see that, you're like, got it. That's where we should go. So. Okay. Good advice. Good advice. So uh, in talking a little bit about prices, what are typical like grocery store prices? Like how much do you pay for stuff? What's a good budget for someone who wants to live there? Yeah, I think our budget for groceries is, I don't know, it's, a, it's I think we want, I want to say it's like 500 euros a month for groceries. But again, let me reiterate a couple of things on that. One, my wife has some food allergies. So sometimes we have to buy some very specific foods and they do cost more. Um, and two, we eat home 80% of the time, right? So like our eating out budget's only a couple hundred euros, you know, and uh, we mostly eat at home. Um, the grocery stores here are, are interesting because um, they're fantastic. Actually, they're better than the ones in Porto. We went to Porto and we wanted to go see the grocery stores because we're like curious. Um, and they're, the ones you guys have are smaller. They're, they don't have as much variety. Like I was shocked that we had way more variety of things on the shelves than you did. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Problem, problem comes uh, that we're on an island. So if the cargo ship doesn't show up for a couple of weeks, those shelves will start not having any, as much stuff on them. You so you can get real. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like we always, we might actually make a joke because uh, we like to eat, we eat a lot of hummus and uh, hummus will be stocked to the gills in the store and then it's gone and it, 
doesn't come back for two or three weeks. We'll be like, well, let's go to the store and see if the hummus boat came in. <laughs> and, and, and it's obvious that it's supplying all the stores because it doesn't matter if it's Pingo. It doesn't matter if it's Continent. It's like the same thing. They run out at the same time. They get stocked at the same time, right? The ships are coming in and supplying them. So the stores are way bigger. They're way brighter. They have way more options. They, they are really in every way better than the ones we saw in Porto. But, yeah. but they don't always yeah. have everything. But the grocery stores here have been amazing. Like we uh, have had no problems finding anything we wanted or needed. And, uh, you know, from a gluten-free perspective, which is what my wife is, like they have had ample everything. The labeling is actually way better here than it was in the U.S. for, for food allergies. So if you have food allergies, like it's way easier here. Okay. Well, that's um, good to know that they're yeah. accommodating there. So if there's mm-hmm. a gluten sensitivity or some sort of food allergy that you can yeah. still get what you're looking for, it might just be a little more expensive, right? Yeah. But based on what we saw in Porto, uh, prices were about the same Okay. on most of the products we looked at. We looked at the stuff that we buy and I think they're about equivalent to what, to what you guys are paying there. But that probably has to do with the fact that, I mean, the grocery stores aren't for the tourists, right? Really. It's for the locals. And since all the locals are in the service industry, I mean, let's be honest, we we all know that service industries aren't going to be the highest paying careers. So I think they have to, you know, keep things, keep things in check because I think there's unfortunately kind of a strong socioeconomic divide between the tourists and and the locals. And unfortunately it looks like it might be getting worse Hmm. um, because I think Madeira looks like it's heading towards being an expensive vacation place for Europeans instead of an affordable uh, vacation place for Europeans. All the new buildings that are coming in and there's construction everywhere all the time. Uh, they're all very, very expensive. And, and to be honest, as you know, our level of retirement, which we did a little early and, and you know, not necessarily full resources, like we, we couldn't afford those places yeah. either. So who's okay. buying them? Yeah. And do you think that's just in Funchal or is that the whole island? So Funchal, definitely, um, I would say most of the major towns that have waterfronts are seeing similar things. Like we actually took a tour the other day of the island. Uh, We had some guests in town, so we did the obligatory Jeep tour. Uh, And, um, you know, cranes everywhere there, just like here. And it's like you go through some of the major towns and like everybody you see is, is an obvious retiree. And so you're like, okay. I mean, we've we've pushed them out, which is not good, right? These are things we, we should have to think about as as immigrants to another country, our impact. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think in Madeira, it it might be turning in a bad direction for the Madeirans, at least, right? Like, I mean, that's who we should be looking out for. But but I think they're getting priced out of their own cities. That's tough. I mean, you know, when a place grows in popularity and then money comes in, you mm-hmm. see that. Because I mean, as a as a person, like you guys are, like talk about assimilating. So you're there and you you do grocery stores. You try not right. to eat along, you know, the touristy places. Yeah. You're learning the language, things like that. So I mean, it sounds like you're doing your part, but maybe it's a bit more of the tourism side of things that's making it a little more difficult. Yeah, I think what's hard for the Portuguese, and I don't blame them, like as if I think back to being an American, I wouldn't know how to do this either, is how do they differentiate between someone who lives here, um, who actually, you know, invests in the society, who's trying to fit in, who's, you know, spending money at the grocery stores and literally trying to, to be part of the country versus someone who comes in from another country and buys seven ALs and is renting them out, right? Like they don't know that we're not one of the people renting an AL. Like for them, it's all the same. And, and that makes sense, right? Why should they have to differentiate? It's not, you know, 
that's not fair to them. But but we wish there was a in my perfect world there would be some better way for that to to really with the laws and the rules that they're changing. I don't think they take into account enough the differential of the the smaller quantity, the much smaller quantity of people who actually take these visas and move to the country and move in. And, and fully try to engage and support the society, which is the deal we made, right? They gave us a good immigration deal. We promised to come in and be a net positive right. to, to their economic flow versus the the massive golden visa investment or the the things like that. And, and like Madura, you, you spoke a little bit that, you know, it's a little bit autonomous, right? Like they have their own, I don't want to say president may not be the right word. So forgive me if I got that wrong, everybody. But, you know, they have their own leadership and their own government. And as you know, in Porto and Lisbon, they're doing some crackdowns on the AL and they're changing the rules a little bit here. And they're just not going to do that in Madeira. Yeah. Like it's too lucrative yeah. for them not to. Yeah. Because it's cause exactly. is such a big industry there. Yeah. So that is mm-hmm. tough because you do have people coming in on like the D7 and D8, which is a visa to live. Right. And we know mm-hmm. that because there are stay requirements. So the idea of right. those visas is you you come and you live as opposed to something like a golden visa where the first year you only have to be in the country for 14 days you know, right. or seven days and then 14 days yeah. on. So that one is a lot less livable, a lot more investment run. Right. And the other part that we don't think about is the people that aren't here on visas at all because they're EU citizens, right? A lot of the investment comes from other EU countries. It's, you know, Germans and well, I was going to say Brits, but we know they're not in the EU anymore. But, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the various countries around, so they're not, there's no visa involved. They just yeah, come they just here come. Yeah. and they buy six, seven, eight units and that's their, their investment, right? Mm-hmm. So all the stuff that's being changed won't impact them at all. Yeah, that's tough, I, especially because there's a lot of, you know, media noise about how it's Americans who are running over mm-hmm. to Portugal. But but because Portugal is part of the EU, it's, you know, free roaming for the different EU countries and they have higher, you know, um, spending power. Right. Because you go, you, you know, a Germany or a Dutch or something like that, they're they're making more money. So when they come and they see good yeah. prices for some of these things, whether it's mainland or Madeira, they're able to afford that as opposed to, you know, what Portuguese wages are. Yeah. And I don't remember the numbers, but you guys did a great video once where you said, where you did the breakdown of people who were actually on visas who came to the country and it was ridiculously low. Like it just wasn't enough people to actually cause the problems that they're kind of being foisted on us. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as of, we'll see what the numbers are for this year because popularity is growing with Americans. But last year we were like the 19th most represented uh, nation in Portugal. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, obviously you have a lot of Brazilians, you have a lot of the the, uh, Portuguese colonized countries, you know, Cape Verde and such. And so uh, those are easy for them to come here because of the the language is the same. So it makes sense. Um, But as far as Americans, you know, like coming here like crazy, it's still quite low. Um, But I think a lot of people don't take into account the fact that EU is, you know, the borders are fluid. So you can move easily. You don't have to go through the paperwork. You don't have to go through VFS yeah, <laughs> like exactly. we had to, um, to, to move to somewhere in Portugal and to buy as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and they don't even live here, right. They just buy as an investment, like they're for fully capable of doing that. And so I, I think the ALs, the mass number of those, you know, I think what Lisbon and Porto are doing probably makes sense. I and mean, New York's doing similar things. A lot of, a lot of people are, and it's just how, it just doesn't make as good a rhetoric, I guess, for politicians. I don't know. I don't yeah, want to say yeah. I mean, I'm not, but it just, I feel like that, that it's hard for the average Portuguese person to, to really know where the pressure is coming from. They just feel the pressure, 
right? They can't afford an apartment in the neighborhood they used to live in. They can't live in anymore. And, and that sucks. So, yeah, that is tough. But I mean, good for you guys for wanting to assimilate and, you know, not be part of the problem, but trying to help out there, uh, you know, and just live, right? Like you've moved right. and you want to live and we want to live in Portugal. Um, so to the best that we can, because obviously we, you know, aren't politicians, so we're not making those decisions and I don't envy right. that as well. Yeah. But like, if we can just live the best that we can to, to not cause problems and to have a good relationship with our neighbors, then I think that's the best thing. So it's good for you guys for doing the same. Yeah, that's our goal, right? I obviously don't claim to understand the financial underpinnings of all these visas or all these investments or all the things like I, I'm not an expert on any of that. So, I mean, I don't know, but, uh, you know, I just feels like there's a rising tension. Um, again, I mean, I think the NHR pushback is interesting one. I think that's something where obviously they wanted to do something to say like, hey, look, we hear that you're maybe not happy with this group as much as you were. So here we've done a thing. Right. Yeah. Done a thing. Mm-hmm. How much of that impact will have? Who knows? They did a <laughs> yeah. thing. So, right. Yeah. Stuff. Okay. Awesome. Well, um, Donovan, last thing at Expats Everywhere, we believe that living abroad transforms lives. So, how has living abroad transformed your life? <laughs> I mean, wow. It's like everything, like everything, yeah. right? I mean, uh, we got here, as I mentioned earlier, because we were worried about our mental and physical health. And, you know, we've been here, I don't know, a yearish, a little over. And we've engaged with the medical system, which has uh, been okay, right? Like it's been decent, not, not terribly, uh, you know, a little bit bureaucratic, but honestly, totally functional. Um, and so we started right when we first got here uh, because we wanted to start engaging with the process. Mm-hmm. And so we had basic blood work, right? And uh, our blood pressure were really bad. Our cholesterol was super, super bad. They were like, you got to get on some drugs or something. Like, this is not good. You guys are in really bad shape. And uh, we were like, well, I mean, we came here to fix ourselves mentally and physically. And so just by being here and being out more and eating better because the food's less processed and it's a little more simple and just, you know, enjoying the life that we had to offer here. Like we just got tested a few months ago and like our blood pressure is completely normal. Our cholesterol is completely normal. We first lost weight and we're just healthier. And like you could see like stress is gone. Like things that, you know, my wife and I might have any, you know, a debate about that because we're just both strung out from working all day. Right. Uh And now it's just kind of more likely to turn into a laugh and a joke and you just kind of move on. Like we're just, we're just, better in every sense of the word. I don't know if that makes any sense, but like, no, it definitely does. I mean, life's too short, right. To be working right. and be so stressed out and you retired early. Cause that, cause you guys are young and to have yeah. you know, bad <laughs> cholesterol and, and uh, yeah. blood pressure, that's, that's tough, but yeah, high stress jobs and high stress living mm-hmm. situations, which unfortunately, you know, is like that in the U S for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. That was super important to us driving goal, right? Quality of life that you have, for living tends to start running out from what I've seen at like 75, 76, right? Just your ability to travel, your ability to enjoy things at the level you did, you know, not that you can't, but really starts declining, at least in my family is what I've seen. Uh And, you know, you retire at 62, you got like 13 years. Yeah. You retire at 52, like we did. And suddenly that becomes 23 years and boy, 23 sounds better than 13 for, for enjoying what you worked your whole friggin' life for. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, Donovan, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. My pleasure.
So listener, we know that you are preparing to move to Portugal. We did everything ourselves for the D7 visa. So we have a DIY D7 course. We also have a DIY remote worker course now since they've split those up. And if you're already here, we have a living in Portugal course for you. Now, the difference between the D7 and the D8 or the digital nomad visa course that you could get is if you have active income, you should be getting the digital nomad or D8 course. If you have passive income, you should be getting the D7 course. And we have a special promotion for anybody that is a listener of this podcast. If you type in podcast at checkout, you will get $15 off. So these will just guide you through exactly what you need. They stay up to date as things change. And once you purchase it, it's yours for life. So if you're not ready to go now, you can still get it and take a look and you can use it later on. And Kaylee is a mad lady and she is always updating the course so that it doesn't fall out of date. Well, I have to because they're always changing things and so it has to stay up to date. That's facts. Thank you so much for joining us this week on Let's Move to Portugal. Contact info for all the services mentioned are in the show notes. If you like the show, please subscribe. If you love the show, please tell a friend, connect with us on our socials, and if you want to help us out, give us a review on your podcast player. Expats Everywhere Presents Let's Move to Portugal is produced by Time or Money Productions. Expats Everywhere researches our guests, and we do our best to provide factual and relevant information at the time of the recording. Despite our best efforts, we can make no guarantees as to the accuracy of what you've heard in this episode. We highly recommend that you do your own research and check your own facts.